Nice. Yeah. What you're hearing are the sounds of people everywhere putting on Bomba socks, underwear, and T-shirts made from absurdly soft materials that feel like plush clouds. Yeah, that plush. And the best part? For every item you purchase, Bombas donates another to someone facing homelessness. Bombas. Big comfort for everyone. Go to bombas.com slash ACAST and use code ACAST for 20% off your first purchase. That's bombas.com slash ACAST. Code ACAST. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. Like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Hi, this is the worst idea of all time. Um, season uh, five, episode seven. How are we all doing? I'm asking you, guy, because you're closest I, I to me. I assumed you were. There's uh, a lot of people listening, but you're the closest person to be able to answer. I am. I'm. I'm all right. How's it, How's it going? Watching all the pornography with me. Well. It's interesting, isn't it? Now, when Tuesday rolls around, it used to just be sort of another day of the week. It was the second day on the calendar. But week. now I know it's time to pile into the studio mm. and watch some uh, softcore pornography. Yes. Previously, from as far back as the 70s, I believe. That was the first two. Uh, today, Emmanuel Seven. As recently as 1993, and 1993, incredibly forward-facing. I when you say forward-facing, what do you mean? Well, I mean it's a it's a oh it, shit, it's we're a live. Si- What's that? We're live. I'm back. Oh, I fucked the mic up, but we're cool now. Some of us were live that whole time. Yeah. Um. What was I saying? Forward facing. Yeah, yeah. It deals with uh, virtual reality. In a big way. It deals with, it sort of uh, alludes to time travel. Yeah, they say it once. It's got some great special effects. Uh, And yeah, I mean, it was, I don't know, I'm I'm okay. I'm feeling okay about this this pornographic adventure. I do get bored sometimes in the movies, and I do wonder if it's... um, I don't think it's killing my sex drive, but I don't. I, I do not consider these like this is the, now. This is an interesting the thing. Por- the porn is is uh, is there a Pavlovian uh, sort of thing we're doing where we're destroying our libidos week after week by being in a kind of we're associating the act of human sex, which we're seeing on screen, with quite a like non sexual uh, context, which is podcasting, which is you and me hanging out in a stuffy studio. Um, watching just, yeah. a questionable quality it's, rip. It's difficult because sometimes when I watch this, like when I watch the movie, sometimes there's so much exposition. I think, you know, let's get to the fireworks factory. Let's get to the sex. And then sometimes when we're watching the sex, I'm like, 
I this get is, it. Yeah, the I'm people, with you. I get it. The people have sex. Let's go and deal with this insanely ornate and elaborate setup that you've bothered to introduce. Hashtag, I'm with him because I have the exact same sequence of feelings where it's like, the stories are so convoluted. <laughs> the first couple, I kind of got. And I liked because it was sort of worldly in a way, like in a very old school way where there was a lot of kind of uh, othering and exotica going on. The the premises were at least simple in that it was a woman exploring her sexuality. And they were adventure movies. You know what I mean? They were were like, there was the spirit of adventure. So we were going all around the world to these far-flung places um, like Southeast Asia and seeing things that most people in the 70s weren't seeing because air travel wasn't as cheap. That's the right. important thing to remember about Emmanuel 1 and 2. And then <laughs> flash forward to 93, we've all got planes. What don't people have yet? Access to quality virtual reality. So, so we're going to give you that experience. That's but right. we need to explain in some ways all of it and in other ways not really explain it well at all. What's important to know in this film is that Emmanuel is once again played by Sylvia Christel and she is not the... I freaked out Rufus, but it's worth um, it. She's not the romantic lead. If you could accuse this movie of having any any romantic lead. She is uh, a woman... She's a matriarch. Who, yeah, she's sort of like... A, someone in the movie describes her as a virtual... The, the virtual madam of a whore... The madam of a virtual whorehouse. Yeah. And Emmanuel dismisses that. She says, I don't like to think of it in those terms. Yeah, she doesn't sort of like out and out deny it, but she she objects to the terminology used because she has created a um, networked computer system with centers in Sydney, London. Tokyo. Tokyo. Paris. Yeah, that sounds right. Where people go in and get in a gimp suit, which has got a whole lot of sensors on it, and then um, they get a sexual fantasy created for them and managed by these technicians. But essentially, Emmanuel is running this high-tech sex matrix business. We're back at the matrix, baby. It it is really interesting. um, I never quite wrapped my head around the sort of the balance of control inside of these VR sex fantasies. How much of it is at the mercy of the intuitions and base desires of the person who's submitting themselves to the VR and how much of the outcome is at the mercy of sort of Emmanuel's nuanced and sort of um, intuitive touch? There's a multiplayer aspect to this. I actually thought, here's where I thought the movie was going to go, and um, I was going to say, forgive us for not getting into the plot and explaining it well, but I don't know. Fuck you. It's it's just it doesn't not necessary. Bear, it doesn't but bear I, getting I agree, into. but I wouldn't have phrased it exactly like that. Yeah. Well, um, where I thought they were going with it is that, and they kind of did this at the end a little bit with a couple of the characters, but the whole premise is that Emmanuel creates these things called animatrons, which are human-looking entities. They're non, non-playable characters. They're NPCs inside of your virtual reality that you interact with and fuck often. And I thought what it was going to be is the big reveal is there's no animatrons. It's all a networked multiplayer thing and you're fucking real humans, which would be a nice angle because then it's like, hey, guess what? The the real, the virtual reality is that just go out there and fuck people. That's immoral. Well, I mean, you know? there is... Uh, Unplugged. There is a, Hashtag look up. There is a subplot that somewhat explores that with colleagues who work at the VR center who, help, who help orchestrate these experiences for 
patrons or people who are lucky enough to be friends with him anyway, she takes under her wing and says, check out this technology. Go fuck that guy you wanted to fuck in high school. Mm. Which is actually what happens, but... Just as a quick aside, I would like to discuss some of the... Um, that guy, by the way, the technician who, who gets his rocks off, looks exactly like Superman. Clark Kent. Yeah. And then he takes his glasses off and he looks like Superman. He doesn't look that much like Superman. He looks incredibly like Superman. But the... the what was his name? I mean, not in this. I mean, what, Christopher the, Reeves. Yeah, you got it. I was going to say Christopher Lloyd, but I'm pretty sure that's Doc from Back to the Future. That is. Yeah. Imagine if he looked like that. That would be nice. <laughs> I just want to discuss the animation, the way that they uh, digitally represent the technology because it is hilarious. Mm. So I don't actually understand if they can see it in the movie or if that's just for us, the moviegoer, but they have, and when they turn the the sexual VR on, there are these <laughs> dick ships, these like 3D rendered <laughs> spaceships made to look like, a, like sort of turgid to erect quite beefy cocks and they fly from the space center which is not really shown or articulated towards this planet which has multiple entry points all of which are represented again in sort of 3d plasticine as the openings to the planet are all essentially vaginas yeah and it's like it's a hell of a trip and it's so not needed i yeah it would have been expensive to make in 94 it looks fucking terrible it looks like shit think about it and it's 93 in 93 they would have been like this is that that would have been i mean to think of where they spent so much of the knowing that this movie was under money constraints i believe to think of oh this i told you is that based on what i said yeah. Sylvia Cristal is in it because she was under financial constraints because oh, so her husband's was, career was going badly. So she was doing it to earn money for the family. Yeah. Well, I mean, just the idea that they spent this much time and energy in 1993, two years removed from the first Toy Story. So obviously this sort of digital... That is a good point. Three, like this 3D technology is advancing in leaps and bounds. It yeah. hasn't been released yet, but they've cobbled together this softcore erotica version. Yeah. And I don't know if it's meant to be played for laughs or if it's meant to be like erotic within itself, but it's incredible. And they go back to it over and over again. And in the last scene, you get to see about seven or eight of these dick ships yeah. flying out to the galaxy. And it's... Um, it's fucking funny. And as I say, it, it just is, doesn't make any sense. Like, it's so unneeded because we get it. You put the wetsuit on, which is a deeply unsexy way... Of fulfilling this like tech requirement of entering VR, you put a wetsuit on, and so what are the gaming like, gloves they wear? You identify them. A Nintendo them. Power Glove. <laughs> Is it actually? It looks exactly. I think they just bought them and spray painted them. Th- those things come up in a surprising number of movies that can't afford to make their own shit. They just get one of those and spray paint them. I don't fully know how they. I think it's like a, it's like a Nintendo SNES controller, and they just kind of slap it onto your wrist, so it looks like you've got a fucking thing, like yeah. a futuristic thingy. Um, so you, you fucking whack one of those on, chuck on your wetsuit, and uh, get set to get wet because your fantasies are coming right in front of yeah, your eyeballs. One, one of the but be- why the ship? Because you're not going anywhere. We know that. The participant knows that. You're in virtual reality. There's no necessary vehicle. It's for us. It's to rep- it's just a it's, metaphor, it's right? To rep- and it's to represent the passage of like place from the real world to the virtual That's horny world. That's putting the glasses and the, head, the wetsuit on. 
I know, but it's it, people weren't as familiar. They weren't as au fait with uh, virtual reality in 1993. There needed to be a, a visual, physical distillation of what was happening. And mm. also, while we're talking about the wetsuit pump suits or whatever you want to call them, the fuck pump suits. suits. Fuck suits. Get one suits. Of the early, there's an early character in what is a brutal piece of casting. This sort of like pretty normal middle-aged guy who shows up and he's like, I want to... I want to get in. I want to do it. Yeah. And he gets in and does it. And then in his fantasy, he gets slapped because he's not attractive enough. And he comes out and he's like, no, no, that's not why he's getting slapped. Why is he getting slapped? Oh, I didn't think it was. I thought it was because they they saw him redlining. They've got an echocardiogram on this guy and they're like, he's about to have a fucking heart attack because he's so unfit. No, it's earlier than that. Before that, he's in the VR as himself and he gets slapped and he comes out and the woman who's running the VR is like, yeah, might I recommend using a different body or a different face? And he's like, what? And he's like, yeah... And then, so he he goes into this different body. But I'm just imagining the guy who shows up to the casting being like, so you're going to be playing a middle-aged man who's... You're too ugly to fuck. Too ugly to fuck. Sorry, dude. In our porno. Here's the the good news. Here's the good news, Jock. Um, You got the part in the porno that you're after. Uh, Here's the bad news. You're portraying, portraying a character that is too unattractive for anyone to have sex with. So... You're going to be having sex in virtual reality with something called animatrons, which are basically digital avatars of people. And not only that, when you get out of there, the technician's going to be physically repulsed and suggest that you dunk yourself in a brand new bod. That's right. He so he he's the only like he's the only major speaking non fucking role, and apart from those who carefully stipulated, like Sylvia Cristel, return to the franchise. She fucks though. I thought she didn't, but she does. She fucks when you know the end and shit. No, she doesn't. Yeah. No. Off you go. Go. Tim's just dealing to Rufus. Um, he's like a cat. When he's in, he wants out. When he's out, he wants in. That's like the movie cat. Mm-hmm. That's like the um the fucking rum tum tugger. The rum tum tugger really gets on my tits. What do you mean? When does she have sex? Um, um, with her friend. There's, but that's not Sylvia Christelle. Yeah, I was trying to remember if they do though. Maybe they don't. I just thought they were going to as adults, but they don't. They don't. That, so they. Okay. My bad. My bad. The, okay, so the character does, but Sylvia Cristel doesn't. That's where the confusion is, folks. Because this movie deals a lot with uh, unpacking some early memories from boarding school of Emmanuel and her friend, whose name I did not catch. Sarah. Really? I think so. Very forgettable. Sorry to all the Sarahs out there. But if one of you is named Emmanuel, I would expect the other one to have a, a you know, cool French name also. Um, so they're unpacking a lot of stuff that ha- there's like there's some there's some awful scenes where basically her friend gets uh, traumatized, and then Emmanuel is like, "I'm basically a psychologist. I I own a digital brothel. This will work." Yeah, um, they go to pains in the script to highlight how incredibly psychologically risky what they're attempting is, but they're very keen to do it anyway. So they whack her in a wetsuit and try to relive a prior memory of basically extreme FOMO, where Sarah and Emmanuel were at boarding school together in a shower situation, and a a, bo- a, a young boy their France. age comes France France. France. Um, and uh, Sarah has an invitation to have sex with him, but passes, and so Emmanuel has sex with him, and that sets her on her sexual trajectory for the rest of her life. So what Emmanuel does is recreates this memory, um, but allowing Sarah the opportunity to have that sexual experience, and this makes her a much happier adult woman. 
Yeah. I've done a very good job of explaining the plot, and I'm disgusted you didn't congratulate me on that. You don't get fucking congratulations for doing your job as a co-host on the podcast. It's very convoluted and complicated, but I think I did a pretty good boil down. Well, you you left out some important extraneous details, both important and extraneous. <laughs> okay, mate. <laughs> Go on. Uh, while she's doing this with her friend Sarah, we're going to call her, she's also been working with the aforementioned Franz. Oh, it's for, wait, what? He's the powerful film executive. Fuck up. Is he the guy from their childhood? That's my belief, yeah. No. Because when she, yeah, yeah, because when she sees him later on, so pretty much eventually, and this is why I get confused about how much of it is under control and how much of it is not, hmm. but while this woman, Sarah, who she's sort of coaching into sexual potency and adulthood, is revisiting all these sexual experiences and also exploring some new sexual fantasies, one of them is in a bathhouse where she is having sex with two men simultaneously and there are four men who cannot for the life of them get or maintain an erection but they're watching it's pretty funny of, to watch very gently tugging at the ends they're of their rubbing their cocks cocks uh, this other this other mystery man waltzes in who we know to be uh, a, char- a, a major player in the film and starts kissing the woman while she is climaxing and it intensifies the climax and then Emmanuel specifically speaks to both Sarah and that man independently. And when she's talking to the man, he's like, who is that woman? And she's like, it's it's her. I miss that bit. It's what, a good thing you're here, man. Good jo- hey, guy, good job. It's not. Good job, man. Good catch. It's just... Uh, it's it's just a porno, man. It's just a really confusing and non-sexual porno. Like that <laughs> is the confusing part. Can, it can is we, a very non-sexual porno. Can we get into Boner Patrol? Yeah, I, I didn't get a boner I, in this movie. I didn't either. And I'd actually, I'm actually. Um, you worried it's killing your ability to no, get an erection? No, no, I'm process. not worried about that at all. But I did, I did come across a listener yesterday who was talking to me, and they were talking about. The veracity of Boner Patrol and um, our respective ability to be honest about our performances in Boner Patrol. I'd like to think that gave this... me the idea for um, Boner Inspector. Jesus Christ! Go on. So it's a new role where we, uh, I, <laughs> it was explained in quite elaborate detail, but the nuts and bolts of it is we put rubber bands. Over our, our penises, and uh, they register increases or decreases in tension. This is some private all boys <laughs> high school bullshit. This is not from where I heard it. I, I heard this from a, a neutral source out in the world, not yesterday. This is cooked. I, I won't even entertain this concept in jest. <laughs> what right. is, how would this work? That the rubber band would be stretched out or something? And are we going by like the girth, the girth expansion? Which- I think. Well, I think to be fair, I think the scientific experiment to which the the person was referring involves the rubber bands being connected to some sort of computer that can monitor oh. like dilation of the rubber band, which in turn means that you can measure sexual moments of you know intensity I, of sexual arousal. If we're really getting into this, if we wanted to create some sort of um, uh, what are, what are the lie detectors called again? They've got a name. Oh, I can't remember right now, but they do have a name. It's like a boner lie detector. There'd probably be a way to measure it using like blood pressure. Yeah, I I just think I I would like to make a, up a special hat, and I'd come into the room a room which I'd also already be in somehow, and I'd say boner inspector, tickets please, boner inspector, boners please. Yeah, and uh, 
I don't like the mechanics. I like the funny character idea. I don't enjoy getting into the mechanics of how it works. I'm wearing two monocles. Two monocles, folks. Mono meaning one and two of them meaning there's two. I I crouch down and I inspect the boners or lack thereof and then I write it down on my little clipboard with a pencil. Gotcha. I don't have my pen license and then I'm back out. Back out on the street. How long does it take the average boner inspector to get their pen license? Because that is something I would have thought they would have clocked before they could get a job where they look at adult erect. Uh, it's not. Dicks. It's it, that's not specific to boner inspectors. That's just everyone. Yeah, it's just like we. Have you got your pen license? Me? Yeah, yeah, yeah. You personally? Do I have my pen? Yeah. Yeah. Sweet ass. Totally, man. You should be. Don't even think about looking at my notebooks because it's all written in pen. So (laughs) I feel like in the year of our Lord twenty twenty, which sorry to date the podcast is when we're watching these, uh, pencil is now like superseded pen. It's flipped on its head. It's like if you're a fucking cool ass designer with impeccable handwriting, you actually go back to pencil now. Well, I'll tell you what, you won't find me writing it, and that's crayon. So I see you writing with crayon all the time. That's your default. It's your defecto. What in the fuck was that? Is that you? Yeah. There aren't any incoming calls right now. What the fuck? Why did your phone tell you that? Sometimes I just say, hey, are there any uh, incoming calls? I do. That was really (laughs) odd. That is a funny thing for a phone to do. This fucking dog, man. Yeah, he's in and out. No respect. But, you know, you just fucking deal with it. Oi, Rufus. Just sit on that, mate. He, he yells at me every time I come in here. This dog yells at me. Yeah, but he's getting he's getting uh, better at it. <laughs> <laughs> what does that mean? Better at yelling or he better ye- at not yelling? Better at not yelling. Like he yells for less time. He still yells. Just get up in here, mate. Yeah, go on. Come on. Good boy. Get out of here. Um, I'm going to read for you now uh, the Emmanuel Seven plot as told by Ginger. Someone once told me Me the grass grass was much greener on the other side. I don't know who sings. I don't know. Macy Gray. No, not who sings it. Sorry, how the next bit goes. Um, that was a fucking awesome theme song and show. Yeah, I was actually thinking about that. There were two great shows featuring uh, redhead Pepper Ann. Yes. Pepper Ann was fucking great. Pepper Ann was fantastic. Pe- bring back Pepper Ann. Pepper Ann. Pepper Ann. Pepper Ann. Wake up now. Is that right? No. Pepper Ann. Pepper Ann. Munching in a rump parade. Pepper Ann. She's like one in a million. Yeah. I've used that with uh, Aqua. I've used it with Dr. Jones. <laughs> Wake up now. Hey there, it's Michelle Norris. I'm host of a podcast called Your Mama's Kitchen. When I travel, I'm usually looking for a way to find a taste of home when I'm not at home. And one of the things I love to do when I am at home is entertain. And Airbnb allows me to do that. When I was in California recently, I rented a house that had a great kitchen. And when we were sitting around the table, we're all thinking, we're in someone else's house. Someone could be in all of our homes as well. If you have a home, but you're not always at home, you have an Airbnb. Your home might be worth more than you think. Find out how much at airbnb.com slash host. Quality sleep is essential. That's why the Sleep Number Smart Bed is designed for your ever-evolving sleep needs. Need a bed that's firmer or softer on either side? 
helps you sleep at a comfortable temperature? Sleep Number smart beds let you individualize your comfort, so you sleep better together. J.D. Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. And now, save 50% on the Sleep Number limited edition smart bed for a limited time. For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com slash awards. Only at a Sleep Number store or sleepnumber.com. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. All right, here it is. Emmanuel Seven, according to Wikipedia. By the way, some interesting uh, facts about this. Yeah. the last. I'll of, be the judge of that. The last officially recognized... Of oh. the uh, Seven Emmanuel series, man. There's something I like about that in the in the in the world of it because it's bookended with um, Sylvia Cristal because she's in the first four, mm-hmm. took a little breather, came back to say goodbye to the official part of the series. So this, which was, is also exciting for us because that means from here on in, we're seeing that shit's getting weird. Yeah, this was the and it got pretty weird today. This was the last of the original Emmanuel series. As a new straight-to-video VHS and later DVD hardcore series started a year later with younger actors and newer and much more adult erotic plots oh. with full sexual situations that, full had, sexual. <laughs> that had absolutely nothing to do with the original softcore stories. Mm. The plot. At least they're ambitious, these ones, you know. My fear is that now we're, we're just going to be watching pornography. You know, almost completely devoid of story. These stories are ambitious and they're big, and I and and it's kind of fun. At least we got some uh, meat to work with, you know. But if we sounds just like got to talk about hogs and uh, sounds boobs, like we're going to be getting a lot of fresh meat to work with. Hmm. Okay. Uh, Emmanuel now runs a clinic and laboratory that uses the sexual memories and the usage of virtual reality computer simulations on its clients to help them achieve sexual ecstasy or help them heal, depending on the subject. She helps an old girlfriend from school overcome a traumatic history due to a nun splashing cold water on her during her first sexual experience in her teen years in a girl's locker room with a young Emmanuel watching. She also takes on several other women and a few rich men who go through the same type of sex therapy to become better lovers in the real world for a very heavy price. They've got that wrong because Emmanuel has sex with them and gets the water poured on him. I totally agree. They've got the plot incorrect. Well, they've rendered this... Unless, no, I don't think that could be possible. If they fucked up the voiceover, because we did watch this with English dubs. Subs over dubs, by the way, didn't enjoy it as much. Subs, you got to really tune in because you've got to be reading the whole time. Um, but they dubbed over this one, and unless they fucked it up so bad that they like changed core components of the story. I don't think that's like, I think it's more likely that the plot synopsis is wrong on, were you mm. reading that, Wikipedia? Yeah. Usually quite reputable. Uh... To help her friend overcome her trauma, Manuel puts her into several simulations. In the first one, she could have her first sex without the nun splashing water. Is it, yeah, I'm with you. I think that's incorrect. I think that she's course-correcting history because as rendered in the film, Emmanuel and the friend Sophie, Sophie is that what I said the name is? I'm gonna you said Sarah. Sarah. Uh, what do they call her? They don't use her name. That's funny. 
so they are in the showers. The guy comes in and the friend is too nervous to lose her virginity. And so Emmanuel does it for her and is interrupted. Yes. So I'm totally with you. Anyway, in the second, uh, she could have sex with Emmanuel with the dormitory girls watching them. The third. The third. She has revenge. And on the fourth, she walks naked at a male bathhouse among several naked men so she could seduce as many as possible until she could perform a sandwich sex. Oh, yep, yep, yep. That was that bit. Yeah. Uh, a sandwich sex. That's what it says. That is a very funny way of describing that. While the rest of the men watch her having an extreme orgasm with those men penetrating her simultaneously, a third man came along and gives her a passionate kiss, which gives her a much bigger and more powerful orgasm, but it was interrupted, making her fall in love with the man that wasn't penetrating her. At the end of the film, the old friend is healed and is no longer oppressed and is the wife of a powerful film executive. In the Cannes Film Festival, <laughs> Sophie, they've now given the friend a name, cool. Sophie gives him discreet oral sex I would not describe the oral Nothing sex thing a bit oh no just play on player uh, followed by full public sex on a podium stand in front of the world press who applauded the couple once they climax and then in parenthesis at the end the film had one groundbreaking element to it and that the computers were being employed to watch pornography and others fantasies and that in the future this would become integral to the making of porn and erotic movies itself truly groundbreaking although Sci-fi have been writing about these concepts since probably the 50s, and I'm sure TV shows like Star Trek have been putting it on, the not the silver screen, the small screen, since like the 1980s. So is it groundbreaking, 1993? I'm going to say no, but I'm also going to say that The Matrix stole ideas off this movie. This particular movie? Yeah. What ideas? Or they're both borrowing from original source material. The idea of plugging into a computer simulation... That's that's basically it. Mm. Um, Especially the networked component. But of for it. for all of these VR elements and the power of you know these virtual sexual experiences and how they can uh, help guide you to a more fulfilled real world sex life, we actually um, or actually for or, or maybe not that maybe like you know this this supersedes the need for actual sex. These two people who we alluded to earlier in the podcast who are helping facilitate the VR experience and both secretly have crushes on each other. At one point, they're like teeing up the system so that they can go in and explore sexual fantasy together, even though they've never consummated their relationship in the real world. Yeah, and they're going and they're booting it up. And this is the funniest scene for the wetsuits because you actually see them disrobing and then going to put the wetsuits on, and you're like, and "This it's is hard. It's really it's sexy. tricky. It's fucking." And tricky. the guy goes to help the woman because and, she's struggling because wetsuits are hard, and it, uh, she can't get on her leg. And then they think, "Do you know what? This doesn't actually matter. We're just gonna fuck right here." On the simulator, yeah, not in the simulator. Yeah. We're going to have sex on the chair. You know, the old tactile person to person. What does persona non grata mean? It means the person who has been. Uh, uh, we don't like them, and we've cast them out. They're a. Um, oh. what, what's the fucking? Uh, what do you call them? It's like the opposite of a debutante. <laughs> a person, a person non grata. I think, like in. Latin loosely means a person we don't want, right? It's a person who's been cast out, an, out, an outcast from the group. In diplomacy, a persona non grata is a foreign person who's entering or remaining in a particular country is prohibited by that country's government. In literal terms, the phrase is Latin for an unwelcome person. There we go. I was pretty close. Yeah, you did great. <laughs> It's such a nice way to say you're not welcome. Uh, I'm afraid I must leave the party, for it has become abundantly clear I am actually a persona non grata here. 
That's right. That's how I would like to exit my next party. What what is the Grab circum- my what is the circumstance? I've turned up and I thought it was okay to be there. I didn't get directly invited, but a bunch of my friends did, and I was like, oh, they must have just forgotten to click me on the Facebook invite. Do you check that or no? Absolutely just- not. I'm a confident boy. So I just turn up. It's all good. But then I get some weird vibes from the birthday person. And uh, suddenly it becomes clear that I should not be at this gathering. What happens when you leave? Grab my hat, say loudly to the room, Farewell, everyone, for I am a person non grata, a, a persona non grata. <laughs> I hope at this you don't occasion. bungle your exit line. <laughs> was I like, why would you make a deal of your exit if you're not wanted? Just leave quietly. Uh, I think it's it's cooler. It kind of like retakes some of that lost ground by not being invited to the party to loudly declare that you're off. The opposite of an I think Irish you, goodbye. You, you give everyone a, a sort of. Uh, you, you, Farewell, party goers. A shared enemy. Mustache, for I am a persona non grata. Adios. Hasta luego. I love it. That's me. That's, that's how I exit. That's my boy. You, that's not how you do it. If I'm at a party I'm not welcome at, you go around inspecting people's boners and say, Boner inspector. <laughs> yeah, I'd, and I'd, then you would get asked to leave. I'd use my classic cover excuse, which is that I'm not actually here as a patron. I'm here as a state mandated <laughs> boner inspector. This does arc nicely back to the di- diplomatic nature of <sighs> the roles at the party. Yeah. And then I'd say, so I know I'm not invited. I, it's awkward. I asked for someone else to work this shit. I'm, I'm a diplomat here. You are. You are. I was yeah. being Guy. Guy's a diplomat, fulfilling the role of boner inspector. That's right. Tim, unfortunately, has cast himself as a persona non grata. Two things I want to bring up briefly that we talked about during the film. Uh, that guy's leg? That's pretty funny. Yeah, go on. There's just one big, meaty, like, unkempt fucking garden variety man's leg. A man's leg. Which is given... A, a sh- man's <laughs> leg, when shot from this angle, looks like a Christmas ham that rolled on a floor, <laughs> a carpet. Off-cut pubes. Yeah. It was absolutely devastating and certainly... But very realistic. As an aspiring boner inspector, yeah. I, it's my job to look out for things that might get in the way of a boner and I immediately identified that as one. I mean, in what was otherwise meant to be a pretty erotic scene, the amount of not just screen time, but actual physical space in the frame that this mm. leg was taking up was phenomenal. What did you want to bring up? Vaporwave? I, I wrote that down for you. I was going to bring that up second, but maybe I'll bring it up first. So the soundtrack in this movie is not altogether surprising. It's that kind of quintessential porn groove, but migrated over to a synthesizer, which we got a lot of in the 80s and 90s, on, on especially softcore pornos that had a little bit of budget. And I feel like that genre has sort of transmuted, along with a lot of other things, or it's sort of really influenced um, a current genre of vaporwave, which is around. And it's just so cool to take... Because I was listening to the music in the background, I said to you, man, this soundtrack would be equally at home in a funeral parlor. Like if you were in the reception area waiting for a funeral director to come and address you uh, about proceedings. I could very much hear that kind of soft piano music yeah. and a little bit of like a tiny little synthy sax that isn't doing too much, just kind of setting a tone. 
it's a weird genre of music to associate so heavily with human sexual activity and yet at some point at the dawn of film porn someone just decided this is the sound of sex gentle non-offensive piano music yeah that's how humans fuck and now vaporwave i feel like has recontextualized that music and i think it's part of the reason why i like it so much because it adds a sense of kind of mystery and danger to it which isn't like it isn't right there in the sound you know what i mean if you just listen to vaporwave the actual sound of it is very innocuous but what it's suggesting is a video game music from yesteryear and b like weird ass low budget porn groove and it's a a nostalgic weird coupling the second thing i wanted to bring up is one of the main guys in this film is a dead ringer for New Zealand's own Anthony Starr, who you might know from Amazon Prime's The Boys as Homelander. He looks so much like him, it confused me. Yeah. But then he starts talking. But then again, we're watching dubs. So maybe it is Anthony Starr in a time machine. It's not Anthony Starr. It looks so much like him. He does it's crazy. He does look remarkably I like him. I should get... There's still frames. If I remember to do this, I'll do it. I'm going to get a still frame and use this as the podcast artwork. I'm going to get him and I'm going to get Anthony Starr together. And I'm either going to be proved right or wrong. At one point um, in this movie, I was eating a sandwich while a woman used the VR to live out her fantasy of dressing as Marilyn Monroe and standing above a subway grate in New York's famous underground system. By the way, in background of frame, we see cats being advertised on Broadway, which I thought was a beautiful moment. And um, don't eat a sandwich while, if you can help it, don't eat a sandwich while, I guess you could say you're at work. There's... um or you could say there's other ways to shoot than the sort of glass table angle of being directly <laughs> under someone. You know, it's not the most flattering of angles. It was. It's quite scientific. It's quite biological. And for reference, it's the woman's fantasy. So she, she's always got this voyeur fantasy. But it just the whole thing just felt like she's an exhibitionist. I just. It's my one of my favorite sandwiches. It's a cabinet sandwich you get from Fucking, a cafe down the road. It's a mushroom, a mushroom sandwich. It's a focaccia bread, spinach, mozzarella, balsamic glazed mushrooms, and a house-made mayo that absolutely knocks your socks off. It's a, truly one of the top three sandwiches you can get in Auckland. Yeah, and you, cl- you claimed to me once, I think, that it was the best sandwich money can buy in Auckland. I've had a couple of other sandwiches since that are uh, threatening to knock it off its pedestal. Namely... There's an eggplant palm at a, a cafe uh, out between Mount Roskill and Avondale. Pa- when you say palm, eggplant palm palmer, it's like a well, like a chicken palmer, but eggplant. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's a fucking hard thing to pull off, man. I, I've always wanted to um, crack how to cook eggplant properly, and I've never been able to nail it so far. Well, I it's difficult. Yeah, I can cook it badly. Well, I've done that a few times. That's not nothing. Anyway. It really impacted my enjoyment of the sandwich. Mm. You struggled, didn't you? It's something about the mushroom. Something about cold mushroom while you're looking up a, a woman's skirt from directly underneath. Oh, this whole fucking thing feels unsavory. I don't know what the connection is actually either, but it just, I don't know. It I, I had a lovely set. You bought one for me too, which I appreciate heaps. You want to eat, eat it. You want to eat it in the off beats. Yep. You want to eat it during the techie, you know, setup. 
exposition hard, scenes. Hard you do out. not want to eat it when a Marilyn Monroe impersonator is living out their dreams. I feel like we've covered most of the movie, most yeah, of what yeah. went on. Time to put a put a put a pin in it. Emmanuel, oh, you got a shining light for this one, brother. When that guy was, um, he was about to have a heart attack, the guy, while he was living his sexual fantasy, he was fucking so hard in his sexual fantasy that the, the, just like, unfit. the panel board and all the things were like going, bloop, yeah, yeah, bloop, yeah. warning, subject reaching, stage five. And then we got a shot of the guy, not in the fantasy, but just like this <laughs> very sort of sobering shot of him in his wetsuit. Which had this insane pouch where you put your penis in, and even asked while he's getting dressed, he's putting his penis into the woods. He's like, "Do I put my penis in there?" And the woman's he like, "Doesn't he can't bring himself to say penis. Do I put my thing in there?" And she goes, "Well, if you want to feel uh, stimulate, if you want to feel the sensation there, then yes." And so, he, like, it's crazy to think how perfectly judged the fabric in this wetsuit is because his penis is in there. And presumably when he gets dressed, he's flaccid. But then you see a shot it's from like so funny. He's lying down, except. His dick. Yeah, and you see a shot from between his legs, so you just see his red wetsuit sheet. Like the, he's wearing a red wetsuit. It's full on, everyone. Uh, anyway, it's it, I love that. It's that, what we in Aotearoa would call full on. Yeah, I like that. Um, I know we've already mentioned it, but man, the needless CGI dick ships really did it for me. What does the vagina planet symbolize? I guess adventures. We are in a penis ship, which is our lives, and we're heading into vagina planets, Would which you, are the world. I put it to you, what's the alternative? Is that it's a, I mean, there's a myriad of alternatives, but based on the very uh, heteronormative rendering of these animations, would you rather see a planet with a variety of erect penises sticking out of it and yep. the ships are all uh, vaginas that sort of latch onto the end of one of these? Yeah, I think that's cooler. I think that's a cooler because all like What's, most rockets and spaceships look like dicks. So I want to see a t- uh, something else on there. I want to see a twist on that. Mm. You know, it's like a no man's sky. You can get a ship that looks like a whale. All the other ones look like spaceships, and then randomly there's this one that looks like a whale. That's great. It's fucking sick. We'll see you next week after we've watched something that is decidedly more hardcore. How do you feel about that? I'd be lying if I said I was looking forward to it. Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com style for free shipping and 365-day returns.